an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. So I closed my eyes to give him some privacy. And when I closed my eyes, I saw this little flame in my mind's eye, this little flicker. And it's jumping and bouncing like a pilot light that's on the edge of going out. You know how they do right mm-hmm. before they go poof. And I'm given this understanding that that's his life force right now. He is on the edge of poof and I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite confident the scientific side of me did ask this question. I don't, in fact, know where this question came from. But what I asked was, can we do something about that? And the instant I thought that question, it became this bonfire. I don't know how big it got because he dropped my hands. So my eyes whipped open to see what was wrong. (laughs) And he says, are you a healer? Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right. Today on the podcast, I have Zofia Renea Morales, and she was a biophysicist turned intuitive healer who had her spiritual awakening in 2014. Since then, she has been guiding clients on how to embrace the woo and regenerate the self. She uses her clairvoyance and mediumship skills to connect to past generations, angels, and ascended masters, and she helps them to reclaim their energy and become the best version of themselves. So obviously we have a lot in common. Her website is called transformationspace.co. You have a very, very unique story where you had like, it seems like lightning speed. I mean, eight years to me to go from where you were at to speaking (laughs) to ascended (laughs) masters and angels and recognizing past generational trauma and helping people to become the greatest versions of themselves. Like that's a quick turnaround time. So I really am interested in hearing how you went from your basically on your spiritual knees asking for help from God asking to live. (laughs) Yes bring us back to that moment where you asked for help like that. Like what was life like and why were you so desperate? Well, life had been fabulous. And then I went through what I call my reverse Job. If you remember the story of Job from the Bible, it was to see if he could hold his faith when he lost everything. In my case, I lost everything to see if I could find some. So prior to this, we were dinks, double income, no kids. (laughs) <laughs> a pair of intellectual scientific types married together, doing amazing things in corporate and, and making really good money. You know, we had the house and the cars and properties and all kinds of amazingness in our life. We traveled. It was it was wonderful. 
but there was a fly in the ointment and the fly in my ointment was that I kept getting sicker to the point that eventually I could not work to the point that eventually I could not go into the kitchen and make a 30 minute meal in three hours Mm. because I I quite simply couldn't remember what I was doing. My short term memory was completely just frazzled. It, It was obliterated. At my lowest point, my husband would come home and say, how are you doing? What happened today? And I couldn't tell him. Mm. I literally could not remember anything that had gone on earlier in the day. The analogy I give people is it's like, oh, I'm going to pop out into the garage to get something. And you go out, you open the door to the garage and the garage is gone. Okay, fine. I'm going to go back in the house. You close the door and you turn around and the house is now gone too. Wow. It, it was not a nice feeling at all. And it makes you pretty useless in a lot of ways. So I wasn't working at that time. And there was this convergence of events. My husband was also not working at that time. Things had evolved in his career in such a way that he was having shorter and shorter jobs and longer times between the jobs. Mm. And he needed to go back to school. So there's all this stuff coming together. He needs to get another degree. We've had a lot of financial setbacks suddenly. And we're in this space where the job that we thought was going to kind of save us and get us through the day turned out they had not been honest with him about the level of funding that they currently had. They told him about all the money they had raised, but they didn't tell him that they had blown all the money before they hired him. Oh, geez. And so the three to five year gig turned out to be a 12 month gig. Mm. And we're in this moment where it's like bankruptcy. And it's all part of the awakening process. And it unfolded over several months in a series of what I call running at walls events. If you're familiar with the Harry Potter series, there's that train station. I forget what they call the things, <laughs> but it's. It's the one half station as opposed to the whole station. And so it looks like you're running at this brick wall, but it opens up and there you are. And so that was the series of events that we went through that ultimately led to us in bankruptcy. My husband back in grad school, these should be mutually exclusive things, right? But no, (laughs) we found a way for that to happen at the same time. Living in a borrowed condominium. It, it was a really strange space to be in. He'd found employment, but it was like at a third of his normal income level, which beautiful allowed us to have a short bankruptcy. Yay. But it also eliminates many of your traditional options. And I was searching for the answers to my health. I had come to the conclusion that I had to be the head of that particular effort because it was clear that my GP wasn't up to the job. And so I'd been doing the circuit of specialists and they're all in silos and everyone's telling me they don't know what it is. Now, if as a lesson out there to the people, if you are going to all the conventional things and you're not getting answers, it probably means it's not a conventional problem. In other words, it's not purely physical. It may have to do with something in your psychological, your emotional, or your spiritual contracts. And my problem, although it was physical, we did eventually find a diagnosis for it. It was primarily spiritual because I had shut down all of my gifts and I was ignoring a lot of the invitations 
into exploring the fact that there's probably something more than just the physical aspect of this world. Mm-hmm. And I was I was passing on those. Thank you very much. I'm logical, rational. Two plus two equals four. I'm from Missouri. Show me the proof kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so some of the early invitations, the books jumping off of shelves, that kind of stuff, I passed on. Hmm. Wow. Okay. You always have free will, and I was exercising mm-hmm. mine. <laughs> Forcefully. Exactly. I was raised by a German and Norwegian, and by God, I am bloody-minded. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm fixing to meet the spiritual two-by-four up the head. Yeah, yep. And when your, your soul wants to get your attention, it will take away your favorite toys. Mm. And my favorite toys was my big, beautiful intellect. So it was being taken away from me. As I said, I'm doing the round of specialists. I finally decided I need a functional medicine guy. Somebody who looks at the whole picture, who understands the biochemistry and how everything interacts together. So Wait, everything can... interacts together? I'm just kidding. Yes. Yes, it does. Imagine that. It's not in it's silos. All connected. Yeah. <laughs> And so I managed to find a unicorn in that field because most functional medicine doctors do not take insurance. Mm -hmm, And at that time, I was still in the mind frame of, well, insurance has got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, that was kind of the case for me in that moment because I'm in a bankruptcy. There is no spare cash in a bankruptcy. And so I found a guy and he found the problem. Bing, 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 bing. He found a couple of other problems too, which which helped me get off antidepressants and that sort of thing. But the root cause turned out to be longstanding undiagnosed Lyme disease. And he was also the regional expert in this. I mean, people with from the surrounding states would send their patients to him for this. And so he had a plan. And it had a 70% success rate, which is pretty good if you talk to people in the Lyme field. Mm-hmm. That it's there's not a good outcome if it's longstanding frequently, and there are a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to dig into that today. If you ch- if you Google me and check out some of the other podcasts I've been on, you can get that story. But ultimately, he had this plan, and I ran the numbers on it, and it was going to be twenty seven to twenty eight thousand for the first year. Okay, I wasn't in good shape. I knew it was in that ballpark, but I never got the same figure twice. <laughs> And so, okay, I'm going to call the the insurance people and let them know. And so I called up, filled them in on the situation, and there's a plan. What you're going to cover, please let me know. And she literally said to me, we don't believe in chronic Lyme. It's like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Isn't that convenient for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so she says, for a Lyme diagnosis, we give you 60 days of oral antibiotics, full stop. I'm like, and the doctor's visits, right? And she says, oh, yeah, you need to know your doctor is no longer in network. Wow. So doctor's visits were a goose egg at that point. Yeah, exactly. That's all it needed, right? (laughs) I mean, wow, that's got to send you off into a tailspin of just like 
So yeah. Yeah. yeah well, now what do I do? Exactly my answer is right there. And it's this far beyond my fingertips and mm-hmm. I can't reach it. And I'm going down the list of things. Well, my husband's already working full time and going to school full time and taking care of me. There's no space for him to bring in additional income there. I can't make dinner in three hours, so I'm not employable for sure. We're in a bankruptcy. Loans are not going to be an option. There's no medical financing that's going to touch me right now. And I can't wait for the bankruptcy to be done because the Lyme has gotten to, when it starts eating your brain, Mm-hmm. your clock has gotten really short. And so I can't just wait for the bankruptcy to be over and then pick it up at that point. And so what am I going to do? So I called my dad, like, hey, dad, I know you and mom raised me to be this independent person from 18 on. Take care of your stuff. Don't expect to come home. Don't ask us for loans, blah, 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 blah. And I have respected that for five decades almost. But I think this might be an exception. And I explained the circumstances and the bank of dad was empty. And that night when we went to bed, I wasn't sleeping because the brain damage had gotten to the point. I wasn't going through the normal cycles anymore. And I discovered if I meditated, I would feel more refreshed in the morning. Mm -hmm. But there was no meditating that night. My brain was like a trapped squirrel Mm -hmm. bouncing off all the walls. And it was about 3.30 in the morning. There are lots of, what I want to say, graceful terms that people use for this state of resourcelessness. But I finally accepted that I had no answers. And there was literally nothing I could think to do to solve the problem. And I gave up. Some people would call it surrender, which, <laughs> which sounds <a> nice <laughs> poetic, right? It was literally, I have no more energy to give this, and I've accepted I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I also don't have the energy to put into that either. And it was in that moment that it occurred to me that I hadn't talked to God in a very, very, very long time. Mainly because I'd been raised in an atmosphere of religious abuse. And I, for many years, it was difficult for me to separate the God I'd been trained about from the religion that I had been raised in from my actual inner knowing of God. Mm -hmm. And I can remember as a child getting in trouble in Sunday school. Because I ask questions like, well, if God is love, why would he send people who don't know about him to hell? Yeah. These kinds of questions. Because I knew in my heart of heart that if you are love and unconditional love and you are omnipresent, you're not going to send anyone to hell, nor can hell actually exist. Because hell is the separation from God. Okay, so it's it's not a place. It's a state you can inflict on yourself, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no one condemns you to that but your own self. And so I had some moments in this headspace that I suddenly had because I'd stopped striving. And I decided I was going to talk to the God that I knew and understood deep inside myself. 
And I debated, do I apologize for a long absence? Blah, blah, blah. God, if you're there, that kind of thing. And I'm like, no, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to keep it really super simple. I will do anything to get better. And I got my answer straight away. There's a little voice in the back of my mind that said, really, anything? Oh, that'll stop you for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, right. Anything doesn't have any edges on it. And so I sat with that word for a little while. And I thought about what I understood about God, which is who I'm communing with in this moment. And I thought about where my edges are. I believe in treating people well and fairly, as I would want to be treated, the golden rule kind of thing. I'm not going to lie, steal, cheat, axe murder, right. any of that kind of thing. <laughs> this, is, this is all off the table. And I thought about the stuff I'd been taught about God as a child. And I came to the conclusion that the stuff in the Old Testament about, well, God gave us this land and told us to go wipe out all the people there. That was probably not divinely inspired. That was probably man making excuses right. <laughs> to yeah. do what they want to do. So I decided that the God that I knew and understood, the God that I was talking to, would never ask that of me. And so I said, to be perfectly clear, God, for you, I will do anything. And I got my first miracle because I actually slept. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. And that was a big deal in that moment. Oh, I can, I'm, I can imagine. And in the morning, I awoke with a clarity that I had to go get one of these clearing IVs from the doctor, even though I had no idea where the $250 was coming from. And so I did that because I didn't have any other options. But it was really clear inside of myself that this was the next step. So I did. And while I was there, the doctor came into the infusion room, which is, that's the nurse's purview. He doesn't go there normally. So I waved him over and explained insurances out of the picture and all all the things. And he smiled. I'm like, I'm telling you I'm a bankrupt cash pay client and this makes you happy. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, good, because when insurance out of the picture, you have all the options. Like, oh, I hadn't even thought of insurance as like handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, do tell about these options. And he says, well, we have this naturopath herbalist who's on staff. None of his stuff is covered by insurance, but that doesn't matter to you now because insurance has just said they're not playing. His office visits are half the price of mine. I'm like, good, because his are crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... He has really good track record with parasitic infections, and that's what Lyme is. It's a parasitic infection, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason that conventional medicine has so much trouble with it is in the first world, we don't deal with a lot of parasitic infection. There's not a depth of experience there. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And he treats all of his stuff with herbs, which are 30 to $40 a bottle instead of exotic four-figure antibiotics and that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, all right, you're, you're singing my tune. Mm-hmm. So I made an appointment to go see him. 
And this is where I forget to tell people that my Lyme disease was cured in a couple of months. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll just get that out there so I don't get the deluge of email going, my cousin brother discovered this about his Lyme. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. But while I was waiting to see the man who would cure my Lyme, I was looking for something to keep me occupied because I'd been told he was running late. And I found this book that said the emotion code on the front. Mm. I believe I mentioned German and Norwegian upbringing. <laughs> very emotional, very open, very, very loving, We don't passionate. have those things. If you should happen to have one, shove it way down. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you, you can be a tiny bit happy, but not too happy because you might make someone else feel bad, you know. <laughs> Really, so there's only so much happiness that can go around, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's it, ration it out very carefully. <laughs> happiness is a someday thing off on the horizon, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, I've got all this garbage and I've spent decades in talk therapy. Don't get me wrong, it was helpful. I mean, it helped me leave an abusive ex husband, it, it's done a lot of things for me. I've learned to be more assertive, but it never took the the heat or the trigger out of the emotional crap that I'd shoved down. And so if this guy had the key to emotions, the code, yeah, I'm all in. And so I started on this book and then the owner of the book came back for it. Oh, damn. Now I have to figure out how to buy the book. <laughs> I can't just pinch it out of the waiting room and bring it back later. So I got the book and being the type A process manager, project manager person that I am, I started methodically working my way through the emotions. And one of the tools that he uses in that book is muscle testing, which was acceptable to me as a scientist because it's a black box process is what we would describe it is. And what that is for the layman is it's a process that we can't tell you how exactly it works, but we can validate that it does work. When I put in A, I always get out B. It, I never get C. It consistently does that. Okay. And that's acceptable in science because a lot of times when you first discover something, you can know that it works, but you can't always know how it works. Mm -hmm. And you can even use it as a tool as long as you, it will reliably do what you expect it to do. And so that was acceptable to me. So I learned to muscle test on myself. <laughs> Which way and is your favorite way? My favorite way is I, I stick my middle finger out straight and I put my index finger on top of it and I push. I like that one. It took me a while to learn to do it. It's an awkward position. But I like it because I can do it with one hand. I don't have to have my hands free. I don't have to be standing up and I don't need another person. And so if, if you're doing that, if it goes weak, then it's... Then not. it's false. And if it's, if strong, it's strong, then cool. Then the statement that you made is true. I've never actually seen... Well, I mean, my friend does that one, but I didn't realize that's what she was doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Cool. And, and I like it because it can also be, it, it's, it's subtle. No one needs right, to you, necessarily be aware you're doing it. You can mm -hmm. have your hand under the table or whatever. and Like look at a menu and say, which one's going to be the best option yeah, for me and my Which is the most supportive right for my yeah. body at this time. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's one of the main things I, that I use it for because I'm still working my way through a bunch of food sensitivities. Yeah. Aren't they lovely? 
<laughs> it's rough. Oh my goodness. I know. So I as you. I'm going through this book, okay, it seems to be working. A lot of the heat of, of stuff that was there is starting to go away. I'm like, this is fabulous. So when I got to the section on heart walls, because I didn't just like read this book, I used it as an instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And so I got to heart walls and I knew I had one before I even muscle tested because I consciously make a decision whether I let you behind mine or I did at that time because he made a good case for taking it down. And so being the good project manager that I am, I started to do that. <laughs> and as I started taking that heart wall down, I think the scientific term for it is strange shit started happening. <laughs> I was starting to see spirits and crossed over dead people and fairies. I was knowing things about the past and the future that I had no way to truly know or access or even validate that the scientist would weigh in with that one. You can't prove that that's the case. And so I'm the scientist is very busy like writing things off at this time. And I'm I'm starting to let's see what else is going on. Oh yes, I I said a prayer in Hebrew. Never had any exposure to speak of to that. I sat Seder one time when I was in college. Okay, so here's the scientist. You probably remembered that prayer from 25 years ago <laughs> at that one Seder you sat in. Sure. Okay, you go with that. <laughs> That makes you feel good and safe. And if that makes you feel good. And I'm coming to the conclusion that I probably have more brain damage than I realized. And I'm starting to get concerned that they might send the guys with the coat and the wraparound sleeves for me. Oh, man. If this starts to get out. Mm -hmm. Going into stores has become a real trial. I've always been kind of a sensitive person, never been able to like watch Lassie on TV. I'm, I'm concerned that Timmy will be eternally lost down the well because the humans won't understand dog, right? <laughs> I just, I can't look. <laughs> Tell me Timmy's going to be okay. <laughs> always been sensitive in that regard. Cry at Hallmark and AT&T commercials. <laughs> But this has gotten absolutely crazy. It's like I walk into a store, Walmart or Trader Joe's, and it's like I'm hit with this wall of energy. And it's like walking into this rock concert at full volume. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a full body hit, and it's really hard to be in the store for any extended length of time. And I just want to go home and be alone. Okay. I don't understand that this is like physical and emotional empathy that's happening here mm -hmm. <laughs> at yeah. this point, but these are the experiences that I'm starting to have. And I've got this back ache right at the base of my rib cage, been going on for a few days and it's getting really obnoxious. And I came home from the store that day and your team will always give you exactly what you need, right? Because the scientist has been very busy going, you've got brain damage. They're going to commit you. <laughs> you, know, you have a super creative imagination. You're making all kinds of shit up. I'm sure my God squad was over there going, oh, what else do we have to do? Right. <laughs> and so they arranged for me to arrive home at the same time that my neighbors were arriving home. And they're both in their mid 80s. And she's struggling under his weight. He's doubled over in what's clearly a great deal of pain. 
And so the ice cream can melt in the car. I go over and I help them into the house. And as we're going in the house, she says, I'm really concerned for his kidneys. It's gotten really bad. He's in so much pain. It's never been like this before. I mean, we know they've been going for a while, but this is scary. And so I said, you do what you need to do. She went to make an emergency appointment with the doctor. And I stayed in the living room with him. There's not much I can do to change his pain, but, you know, I can hold his hand and keep him some company. And as we're standing in the living room, he closes his eyes and I can see his lips are moving. And I know them to be the best kind of Christians. They have served in the ministry all of their lives. They're very non-judgmental people. They don't care your race, credo, any of that kind of stuff. They're, they're just here to help and very loving people. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt that he is having a private moment with God. Mm. And I don't really want to stare at him doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I closed my eyes to give him some privacy. And when I closed my eyes, I saw this little flame in my mind's eye, this little flicker. And it's jumping and bouncing like a pilot light that's on the edge of going out. You know how they do right mm -hmm. before they go poof. And I'm given this understanding that that's his life force right now. He is on the edge of poof and I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite confident the scientific side of me did ask this question. I don't, in fact, know where this question came from. But what I asked was, can we do something about that? And the instant I thought that question, it became this bonfire. I don't know how big it got because he dropped my hands. So my eyes whipped open to see what was wrong. <laughs> and he says, are you a healer? Oh, wow. Now, the scientist is going <laughs> a little apeshit about now. <laughs> what? No, 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 no faith. No faith healing. No, no, none of that. And I was saved from having to answer him because his wife came back saying, she's got the appointment. They got to leave right now. Hustle him out to the car. And I hide in my house for a couple of days <laughs> while the scientist convinces me that nothing has happened. Mm. And my Midwestern upbringing guilts me into going next door because when your neighbors are in crisis, right. you bring them soup, you shovel their walk, whatever it is right. you can do to help them out. I haven't done anything. So I went next door a couple of days later to see what I could do to support her, convinced by my scientific side that she's dealing with an ICU situation or planning a funeral or something equally tragic. So I really tentatively knocked on the door, not even sure I would find anyone home. And she answered the door and she answered it with a smile, which is like, okay, uh oh, <laughs> We are probably not dealing with a funeral. Yeah. That's, that's probably good. And I'm kind of deferring judgment on anything else. She invites me in. And as she does, she says, Jay has so many questions for you. And that's when my stomach drops to my feet. It's like, holy shit. I have no answers because that is not the road that I was going down. Oh, man. And I go in the living room because, well, I'm committed. I over the doorstep now. <laughs> <laughs> and he is kicked back in his Barca lounger. He's got his book and his drink and his remote, and he's looking fat and happy. Like, oh, how you doing, Jay? 
He says, I'm doing really well. Thank you. And I got to tell you, it was the weirdest thing. Like, what do you mean? By the time I got to the doctor's office, I was feeling pretty good. And they ran me through the usual battery of tests and my results came back normal. I haven't had normal results in a very long time. Hmm. Wow. And that's when the scientist had to sit down and shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And that was also the moment when I had to look at the past few weeks of events with a different set of glasses. The scientist in me, I guess, will never go away. And my posit was, well, what if there is something to this? Clairvoyance, claircognizance, ESP kind of stuff. If that were the case, what does all of this stuff that went before mean? And how did it come in? Did it all just start connect, all the dots connecting or did it feel like a massive download that was overwhelming? It, or It felt like being pulled apart and put back together in a really strange <laughs> new position. I, I think the butterfly analogy is perfect for this kind of situation uh -huh. yeah. because if you understand the biology of the, the butterfly, you start as this little bitty inchworm who now suddenly has a compulsion to stuff itself full of all kinds of green stuff and then hang upside down and barf all over itself, let it harden, and then it melts down into this unrecognizable goo mm -hmm. and reassembles it back into a creature that does not have to eat and that flies. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it sounds really romantic, but if you think about it from the inchworp's perspective, it is scary and disorienting as heck. Yeah, but I wonder, do they really think it is? <laughs> I don't know. I right? know from my perspective, it most certainly it, was. Yeah, for sure. When humans go through it, it's the ego. It's the, this is who I am. This is who people believe me to be. This is where I feel safe. These are all my identities. And, I and keep then them the in. ego wants to dress up in spiritual clothes after you awaken too, which is a trap that is easy to get sucked into as well. Because I know after this particular event happened, where he recovered from his kidney disease, my ego wanted to come to the conclusions that I was all that in a side of chips. And my God squad, God love them, sent me probably four different people average ordinary human beings not anyone who would claim to be woo whatsoever to share their experiences having stood as a channel for a miracle for someone else and that was helpful to me in terms of like releasing that that idea that the ego wanted to grab onto or that hey you are all that in a bag of chips it's not about me mm-hmm and right. anyone, quite literally anyone, can stand as a channel for miracles if you're willing to set your, your ego aside and allow whatever it is that needs to happen to come through. Beautiful. So how do you help people now? Like now knowing that you are not necessarily a, a bag of chips or... <laughs> All that in a bag of chips. But, you know, there are practical ways of using what you've learned. And, you know, how, like, it's nice to say, like, we should step, have put our ego aside and do this work. But, like, how do you do that? I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's, a, neat, it, it's a neat trick once yeah. you learn it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it is truly yeah. not about you. And that's one of the things that's so confusing. It's like, how is that? Because I'm here and I'm doing it, but I'm not actually doing it. But I'm just 
a conduit for it. The vehicle for it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's about doing your own work. And I think a lot of us, when we wake up and discover we have a healing path, have a tendency to, to really vigorously embrace healing other people, but not so much embrace mm. healing ourselves. And so that is a matter of continuing to recognize that you will be forced to confront your issues periodically if you're not proactively dealing with them as you're moving forward. And so I've gone through phases and stages on this, right? I was really dedicated to doing all of my motion code work and knocking that out in, I think it took like four months. <laughs> well, right. That's what and, I said. You've had a very yeah. accelerated path. I mean, from what yeah. I can tell. And I, I think a lot of my path right now has been remembering. This is not the first time I've, I've walked like a healing and spiritual teaching path. And so I've been showing some past lives where I've, I've really screwed the pooch. <laughs> <laughs> Too much in your so, scientific analytical mind. Well, in those and, lifetimes, the, the ego tends to be the problem most of the time. Looking back on the lives I've been showing, when your ego gets in there with I'm all that and the bag of chips, you tend to make poor decisions. And what happens is your mission starts to look like the lowest form of religion, which is completely co-opted by man for some socio-political purpose, as opposed to being a training path for that personal relationship with the divine, which is what it is at its highest and best. Mm -hmm. And so in all of our individual missions in this world, we always have choices that will take us more towards one or the other end of that. And so... You asked the question, how do I work with people now? How do I help people now? Right now, my work is completely bespoke, although I'm working on putting together some prepackaged stuff for people to work through if you can't afford to do bespoke work. But I, I'm a fan of tools. Mm. One, of, one of my gifts is I see patterns and I can quickly identify root cause. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's harder for me to do for myself. I'll get there eventually, but <laughs> I hear you. It's easier from that objective perspective to identify root cause and remove it. And I've I've acquired a number of or remembered, if you will, a number of modalities, <laughs> which is a lot of times what spiritual training courses are about: is more remembering what you already know on mm -hmm. the higher level. Mm -hmm. and and really coalescing it into the physical. So I've got a, a shit ton of tools because you've got to have the right tool for the right job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I see some of this frustration with people early on, right? It's like, I've got this problem I've been dealing with, and I I went to this EFT class, Emotional Freedom Technique class, tapping, they also call it. And, you know, all these people around me were releasing their fears of snakes and all the things. And my problem is still here. I mean, it's a little better, but it didn't resolve. And so they will come to the conclusion that, well, tapping just doesn't work for them. No, tapping just didn't work for that problem. 
Mm-hmm. Or you, it got you as far as you needed to go, and then you need to with pick that else. particular aspect, yeah. and then yeah. you have to come at it from another perspective. Sure. We tend to look for a, a single fix solution in society, and that's rarely what's required. Mm-hmm. Well, usually, what's the fun in that? I mean, it's all part yeah. of the journey. Exactly, <laughs> working out yourself. the combination. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I have acquired a lot of tools in my toolbox. The most recent one is hypnotherapy. And I'm loving the heck out of that because Mm. talk about your fast transformational technique. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Now I I've always been a fan of like hypnotherapy tapes and guided meditation because that does allow you to directly interface with your belief system because that all sits in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever tried like affirmations, you know that you have to say crazy numbers of affirmations before it budges even a little bit and your brain mm-hmm. stops going, no, you don't. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but with hypnotherapy in a matter of three to six sessions, you can completely eliminate stuff that people are like, oh, you can't change that. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> and so that's been my most recent favorite tool in my toolbox. But I like to start with the pattern first. So we know what tools are going to be most likely to be helpful. And so I pull your soul contract to see what it what you planned when you came into this world. I also call them life blueprints when I'm talking to more mundane people. <laughs> it seems a little more accessible. Your human design, because mm-hmm. that affects how you function in this world. And then we go through the pattern of your life. What have you been successfully resolving? What are the issues that have been more challenging for you? And help to give you a decision tree going forward. Because my whole objective when I work with someone is to empower them to continue on their path and to really step into their own healing and work. You can do roughly 80% of your own healing in my experience, Mm. but there's 20% where you need someone who can show you another perspective, hold space for you to explore things that you can't otherwise explore. I think of it sort of, to use the medical analogy, it's like going to a holistic practitioner, right? Most of what you do is lifestyle stuff. You choose better eating choices. You move your body more often. You make sure your environment is is supportive and clean and and whatever. And that's 80% of staying healthy. The remaining 20%, you need actual intervention for. Okay. So there's been an accident or something has gone horribly wrong and you need a surgery. You need a specialist. You're not going to do that yourself. Occasionally, you get a crazy person who's like, well, I numbed up the thing and I did the surgery myself with mirrors. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Just go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of my opinion on on the healing is that you can do 80% of it. The thing that I encourage people to do is to recognize the amount of work they've already done before they come and work with me. I had one client who's like, I've been working on this for 35 years and here we are one session later and it's fixed. I'm like, yeah, because you did 35 years of getting ready for this moment Mm -hmm. to just flip the switch. 
It's amazing how, first of all, I do agree we do need each other at times. I do think that we should rely mostly on ourselves, but sometimes we do need the support, mostly because we're here to connect. A lot of times when we go to somebody else, it's because they have a match or they have something they're working on that you're going to help them through by just being there. So we, it's all interconnected and divine, but ultimately like when you, we were just talking about how like it's, we're just conduits for this energy and this information. And the idea of it not being about us is what helps people to understand that they can empower themselves to do it because they don't need yeah. Amy, the, what the healer or, you know, or, Sophia, yeah. you know, Sophia, the, the practical mystic. Yeah. Yes, maybe, but mostly let's look at this as you are an empowered human being who can navigate this successfully. And if you're willing to do the work. And I love that you say, you know, for people to reflect on the amount of work that they've done, because we all are doing work, whether we realize it or not. I mean, even if we're like, oh, that's so annoying, we're still looking at it and recognizing it and suffering with it, which. Well, and the first step is awareness of it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. No one can help you while you're unaware of it. So just the fact that you've become aware that there is this thing in your life, however it's showing up, that is causing you pain and grief and it's time for it to go, is huge. That's half the battle right there. Mm -hmm. If you look at anyone who's in recovery, it's not until the moment that the person who's gone into recovery says, you know what, I do have a problem and something's got to change, that you can actually help them. Up to that point, Mm -hmm. you can't do anything for them other than enable or or ostracize practically. It's hard to find middle ground until they've accepted and yeah. start moving through their stuff. Well, we have to, uh, oftentimes when we're really, really wanting transformation, we really have to get to our knees, our spiritual knees, and just be like, what can I do? Like, yeah. can I have some help? Like, I have a problem. I don't know how to solve it. I need help. Lately on the podcast, we've been talking about this is just like asking your angels for help, asking God for help or the universe or divine source. I I love that. And I I guess the thing that I also want to put with that is a lot of us wait until it's this big like (laughs) (laughs) train bearing down on us and inevitable before we go, well, maybe I should ask for some help with this. Do you think Mm -hmm. it's okay if I ask for help? We've been terribly trained into you must do it all by yourself. You don't have to do it all by yourself. There are no brownie points for doing it all by yourself. Getting through it faster does not take away success points. Just the whole thing is to do it and get it done. So you don't have to wait for this world imploding moment to go, okay, God, angels, I could use some help. Mm -hmm. It's like, good morning, world. What's the most important thing I should do today? And it may sound silly, trivial, or mundane, as many things in this life appear at first blush, but do the thing. Right. Like how you woke up and you were like, I feel like I should go get that infusion. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I'm going to go there. And then all of a sudden the story changed and it's like this other doctor now is available that's cheaper and And faster and more effective and less side effects. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's amazing when we step into that and we just listen, we don't need to know the whole story or how it's all going to work out. We just need to say yes in the moment. Yes, exactly. One of the things that I did as I was waking up, and I think this 
is a large part of what accelerates the journey is consciously making the choice that I'm I'm partnering with the unseen. Partnering in with the unseen. Yeah, you broke and up And I there. am inviting the unseen in at every moment to assist me forward in my path. And one of the practices that I started doing was relying on my guides, my God squad, to help me with every little tiny decision I had to make in a day, because it's the tiny decisions that result in the big impacts ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so one of the practices that I did was every time I got in the car and pulled out of the driveway, it's like, should I go left or should I go right? I, I know I'm going to the grocery store, but you don't have to take the most direct path to the grocery store. You can take whatever path spirit leads you down to get to the grocery store. And it might not be the grocery store that you had in your mind when you left the house, but it will be the perfect grocery store for you in that moment. It's amazing how much divine intervention is going on that we miss. And it's when, when you start to do the work that we've done and see the things that we see, you start to see how magical and beautiful this experience really is. And, and it didn't seem magical and beautiful because you weren't aware of it, right? Because <laughs> it's unseen or you might just think, oh, well, that's interesting that happened you know, well, and blow and it off. And we get caught up with, with the wrapping paper it comes oh, in, yeah. right? Because <laughs> we this. still have egos, right? It still sucks when you lose something that you're used to having in your life, whether it's it's a thing or a person or a job or, or whatever it is. We're not fans of change, mm -hmm. but we pray for change all the time. Mm -hmm. It's true. And when we pray for change... A lot of times our conscious mind is like, and my world will stay exactly what it is and this other thing will get added on top of it. That's rarely how it works because you need to make room for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the way we, our conscious mind thinks about things is like, I'm going to buy this new sofa, but I'm not going to take the old one out of the house. <laughs> Just put it right on top of the other one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what do you do? Are you sitting in the front lawn? I don't think right. you want the new one as lawn furniture, right? <laughs> right, right. It's so true. We definitely have to get rid of the old in order to bring in the new, which is what transformation is, is the death of the old to bring in the new. That's usually the order it happens in too. Mm -hmm. And so the thing I like to invite people into is when you've been asking for a big, amazing, profound change, and you start, your hands start emptying in order to receive it. Go ahead and have your human freak out moment because we're going to do that. It's okay. Have your freak out moment. Despite what the law of attraction people say, you can have your freak out moment. It won't hurt anything. <laughs> it's actually helpful. It is. It is because when yeah. you try to avoid having the freak out moment, now we're doing that repressed emotion stuff again and it's not useful. So, Allow your reaction to happen and then take a nice deep letting go breath and get curious mm. because the universe asks, answers the questions that you ask. So after you've had your freak out moment, I want you to choose your next question very carefully. And I suggest something along the lines of, that's interesting. How does this bring me closer to what I've been asking for? Mm -hmm. How is this serving me in this moment that this has happened? Because the universe will answer that question. So don't ask, why me? Why is this always a, yeah. 
flush all of that. The question you want is, how is this serving me? I wonder where this takes me. Mm -hmm. How is this moving me towards where I'm going? And the universe will answer that question for you. Because a lot of times when it sends you running at walls, it might be a solid wall you're running in and it might dissolve. <laughs> but once you're right up against that wall, there may also be a sharp left turn you're supposed to take that you could not see from another angle. And I think that's one of the, what I want to say, one of the whiplash moments a lot of times we experience. Because again, the logical mind wants to get in there and go, well, it should be a straight path. It's optimal to have a straight path. No, it's, it's rarely optimal that there's a straight path. <laughs> yeah, it's not like So I find getting curious helps me to release the logical mind's expectations. Me and my family, we go with our camper across the country. In fact, Missouri is one of our favorite places just because it's so beautiful. But, you know, when you're when you're doing these cross-country trips, like sometimes we're like, we have different goals, right? Like we yeah. just want to get across the United States to New Jersey to see my family, to then park the camper, to go to the beach, blah, blah, blah. So we take the really non-pretty roads. Right? Get it's on like, <laughs> the highway and just It's buzz. ugly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so it's not like, Yes, we're getting to our goal, but it's not an enjoyable journey. We're all like kind of achy and tired of tea. Yeah, because you've been driving for right. as many hours as you can stand. And yeah. <laughs> right. And then when we come on the way back, we meander our way back and we see these beautiful sights. And we were actually in our car yesterday. We were talking about how beautiful West Virginia is because my son's singing a song about West Virginia and the people never even had been there. And I was like, well, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember when we saw that, you know, and, and so we, we tend to think that we need to take the, the highway, right. But yeah. really the journey is all about the back roads and the cool little seafood spot that you pick up the stuff. And then your mom is eating crabs at night with like a headlamp on. You never forget it because yeah. it was a moment. And it was an experience. And, and it was this most unexpected little little place. It looked like a shack on the side of the it road. Definitely but they had the best have... food ever. That's yeah. like the Louisiana eating experience. I loved living in Louisiana because you could stop into any little hole in the wall. The food was amazing. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We haven't been to the South too much, so we got to get there. But I have really enjoyed talking to you, Zofia. You've been amazing. You've shared your story and you really had me on the edge of my seat. I mean, I read about your story and I, I I knew what was what was about to happen, but just hearing it from you and and didn't know about actually the man that you helped that changed everything. So that is all just such a beautiful story and thank you for sharing. Yes, thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure discussing with you. I hope I gave enough what I want to say, practical, helpful hints about negotiating this woo world because it's not always in our human experience, rainbows and unicorns, like people would like you to believe, there are very challenging moments. There are dark night of the soul moments. But when you're looking for a very faint light, you want it to be dark. Very, very good point. This podcast has been about mastering this identity shift, mm. talking about while we were walked through your identity shift, we learn how to shift our own identities and what we can expect or or at least find comfort in the fact that it will be challenging and that we may not know what the next step is, but there is a next step. And 
we have a God squad that's willing to help and we can ask for help. And also we have the podcast and people like you and me out there supporting people through this process. So I, it's been wonderful talking to you and, and your yes. website again is called transformationspace.co. Also, Good. you're on Facebook and Twitter. I'm and on Facebook and Twitter and I also and have Instagram. Yeah, I'm over there sometimes, but I also have a superpower quiz that is free for anybody to take. If you go to superpowerquiz.us, it will reveal to you what your number one spiritual superpower is, because very often we walk through the world and looking at everybody else and going, ooh, if only I was like this person or that person, then I would be everything in the gyps again. (laughs) (laughs) But the truth of the matter is you've, you've brought in a particular giftedness for your particular mission. And we need you in that. And so this is the mirror to help you see what that is. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. We'll we'll put that link down at the bottom of the show notes for everyone as well. So Zofia, thank you for being on the show. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal. Content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist. 